The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our guest today, Wendy Powers, was on last week, and if... uh, you haven't had a chance, I would urge you to go back to our past shows button and listen to our conversation about, oh, about lots of things, including the City of Light. Wendy was born in Florida in the 1970s at a time when autism spectrum disorders were not fully understood. And as a result, Wendy was bullied and sometimes terrorized and suffered from depression and PTSD. Uh, But through it all, she reports the source God provided her with spiritual and emotional support that would heal those wounds and allow her to share her experiences with others. And she has got, uh, along with those handicaps, she got some amazing gifts as well, gifts of 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 out-of-body experience and the like. So, Wendy, welcome back to NDE Radio. Hello, Lee. Good to be back. (laughs) Okay. Well, listen, we were just finishing up uh, talking about uh, your return from the City of Light, the fact that your family had all experienced this when they were children at the same time. And um, it crossed my mind that possibly, you know, as uh, someone who believes in reincarnation, perhaps that city was a source for your family. Uh, Originally, maybe you reincarnated on Earth after living in the City of Light. Uh, it's quite possible. I I know I wasn't per- uh, there because I remember all of my past lives, but it's it's possible that they were. Mm-hmm. Tell us about one of your interesting past lives. <laughs> well, um, well <laughs> just in a nutshell, my first past life, I was actually a planet, more like an ice planet, and this sounds totally bizarre, but I just remember I experienced a a long time that didn't have a definition of time, and then seeing life come into this onto onto this skin of ice and growing and doing things on their own and just being fascinated, just watching it. So that gives me a connection with Earth Mother here and, plan- and knowing that she is a, uh, a being that has a full consciousness and full awareness and what we feel like to her. And then somehow it it blew up or, you know, was hit or something. But as as a conscious being, I ended up on Earth. And my first life, I was a farmer who went through an experience of the house catching on fire and losing a son who was up up in the upstairs uh, attic type of situation and my wife blaming blaming me for his death and living by myself in a small kind of hut just farming and when I died of seeing star these uh like angel this angel sitting there at the side of the bed and, and praying for the first time and saying you know god if if you're real if you can hear me forgive me for letting my son die 
and this this angel saying there's nothing to forgive and you're loved so there was that and then there's just a couple other nothing nothing fancy a couple other lives for lives uh a singer who was murdered and um trials you know in in the 20s and i remember then after that i was uh African-American woman who worked in a doctor's office slash hospital and experienced the racism and experienced, I remember being a little child and trying to bleach my skin and the way that that felt and, and being severely beaten by my parents for doing that and being ashamed of who I was. And I remember having a really hard time in that life because of being black. And I was married to a man who was very abusive. I had two children and they were getting ready to be taken away from me. And I ended up committing suicide. And I remember clear as day, the apartment that I lived in and sitting there in that chair with the gun and being having read the Bible, going to church, knowing uh, or being taught that if you committed suicide, you were going to go to hell. But I thought, if I do this, at least my children will stand a chance. And I, I just I, I couldn't I could I just couldn't go through any more of the abuse and putting my kids through that. I was like, let the state take them away and. And be done with it. So I remember the second that I did that, that once again, that angel was there. And I thought, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go to hell. And the angel said, no, that's not how this works. And you're loved beyond all measure. And just being kind of shocked by it, going, wow, really? I'm, I'm loved? And the source going, or the angel like, yeah, yeah, you're, no, you're not going to go to hell. And so I remember being relieved. And then the next life, I was a soldier. I, well, I, w I was born a white male into an uh, affluent family. I remember tennis courts. I remember uh, the roadster. And I, I still to this day love a roadster. I remember being a kid and my father having one and, and just loving that. He was a politician of some sort. And I had an older brother. And my, it was during Vietnam had started up and he was drafted. My father being whatever statesman he was, got my older brother out of the draft. And I, it made me mad. I, I realized that it wasn't fair that some families had to pay the price and other families got off because they had power. So I signed up and I remember the day I left of going in the house and no one was in there. And my mother had left a note on the table saying, you know, your food's in the fridge and goodbye. They just really didn't care that I was leaving. And I remember how that felt. And when I was, uh, so I ended up in Vietnam and I was a tunnel rat. And those are the people who went in to the tunnels that the Vietnamese made and cleared them out. And they, 
I, I was doing that. And then as I was, I gave an all clear and was coming up out of the hole and one of my own guys fragged me. So I was, next thing I know, I was back with those, the guardians again or angels. And mm-hmm. so. Oh, tell us uh, what, what, what is it like between lives? It's, what do you remember? Yeah, about? it's actually, uh, the best way to describe it is a way that in this life I had, a. Uh, one of my dreams that wasn't a dream. And I was standing in this corridor, like a, a hotel corridor. And every room was a separate life. And my spirit, one of my spirit guides who was with me, he said, when you go into the room, you forget everything that's happened in any of the other rooms and you forget everything in the corridor. But when you are done with that room and the focusing on that room and you come out into the corridor, you remember all of them. So then you can decide what's the next room you're going to go into. Based on what you'd experienced in your past lives. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's how it was shown. Uh, How many past lives do you think you've lived? Just that the, well, planet, the farmer, uh, the singer the African-American lady, and the soldier in this one. So this is number six for me. Sometimes people talk about, without having any memory of it, you know, oh, I've probably had thousands of past lives. But I I think the people that do remember, remember that it's not that great a number. Huh. Yeah, I know my first one was a really long one, being a plant, an ice <laughs> an ice <Yeah>. planet. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I was anything before then. Then who knows? But <laughs> well, you know, they say you know you can be reincarnated. Everything has consciousness, right. right? So you could be reincarnated as a as an animal, or as a plant, or as a rock, yeah. or as a planet. <laughs> no reason why why that shouldn't be. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's see. You had said that you met your guardian angel tell us about that yes it was so wonderful this was at a time uh right after i i'd actually went through a a brief marriage when i was 18 with a very abusive ex-husband and uh, a psychopath and then was uh went to college and the lord let me go, go through uh that program and I had just graduated. Of course, it took me 10 years to get a four-year degree, which is kind of fun, but I got it. So I was very thrilled about that. And I had gotten to the point where I had broken off any toxic relationships because I finally had my degree and I was finally able to be free of a lot of poisonous relationships and bondage in my life. And I had gotten back to the point where I didn't give a name to God because I was raised fundamental, independent, Bible-believing, King James Version, Baptist only church, one of those. And I decided that if God wanted me to know who it was, then it would show me itself. And it did. And so I was at this place that God actually spoke to me in an audible voice. The morning I was supposed to go in the temp temp job there, 
And I wasn't going to go show up and God spoke an audible voice and said, if you don't go in today, you will mess up everything I have planned for you for the rest of your life. So, so, well, I had told, I had asked God, I said, you know, I'm spiritually deaf. So if you're going to talk to me, please just say it. Don't none of this whispering stuff, just yell it at me. God said, okay, you asked for it. And yeah, so I, so I ended up there and that's where I met uh, my life partner and I didn't, I, I wasn't sure what to do with my degree and my newfound freedom and everything. And I thought, you know, I could go to a reservation and teach because my degree was in teaching and I wanted to do whatever God wanted me to do, but I just didn't know what that was. Like a lot of young people. It was 30 still being young at the time. But yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I was in uh, working that temp job in human resources. It was a big building with a center security desk, two wings. And the HR department was way down at the end of one of the wings. They had to go through the doors to get into it. And it was a big room with a lot of little, you know, offices all around it and I was sitting there doing some paperwork stuff you know and everyone's coming and going and stuff and then all of a sudden um like no one else was kind of in the room but this man came in and he he had dark skin he was a black man he he was just the most beautiful human being I have ever seen in my entire life just his countenance and his he, he was just he he was stunning just absolutely beautiful and he said hello and I said hi I said can I help you with something he said I'm here for an appointment and I said oh okay and he just he I said well do you want to sit down and wait is at the table so I sat back down and he sat down with me and suddenly I was just so at ease and just we started talking and it seemed like we must have talked for 20 minutes and and I had asked him I said I love your accent because it sort of sounded Jamaican or just it was just very unique but crisp and articulate just it matched it matched how beautiful he was as a as as a person and I said, I love that accent. Where are you from? He just laughed and he said, Oh, all over. <laughs> I said, oh, Okay. So we we finished talking, and I'd asked him. I said, Well, I just I, he he had asked me what I was going to do with for the rest, you know, with my life. I said, I just I, I don't know. I want to do whatever God wants me to do. That's the only thing. Whatever God wants me to do, I'll do it. And he smiled and he said, God wants you to do whatever will make you happy. Mm. And I was just like, really? He said, yeah. I was like, that's <laughs> it? He said, yeah. Said, wow. Oh, okay. And so I was kind of dumbfounded like, and he stood up and he shook my hand and said, it was so nice to finally meet you. I was like, huh? And then he turned around and he walked out the door and I, I was taken back I'm going well that what and and I thought oh you know I finally came to my senses and during this time no one had come in or out of HR 
And I was like, oh, I forgot to ask them who he was here to have an appointment with so I could go rush back there and tell them they had someone waiting for him. And I, it, he, it couldn't have been but just just maybe two or three seconds after he walked out the door. And I opened the door to chase after him, and there was no one in the hallway. And I'm like, wait a second. So I thought, well, the man was tall, and I'm very short at five foot. So I thought, well, maybe with his gazelle legs, he was off to the men's bathroom. So I rushed up to the bathroom area, and a friend of mine was coming out of the guy's bathroom. I said, hey, I said, was there anyone else in there? And he said, no, no one else is in there. I'm like, okay. And so I went to the security desk, and I asked my friend there, I asked her, I said, you know, I was describing this guy. She said, oh, honey, if a man would have come in here looking like that, I would have noticed. <laughs> so <laughs> he had just, the, there was no trace of him, and no one else had seen him. So I went back into HR, and I was I went into the conference room that had a, has a really good view of uh of the flat area between that building and the Nashville International Airport was looking up into the sky and way, way high. It was a beautiful, clear day, clear blue, not a cloud in sight. And I was watching like this little dot go through and I was thinking, man, that plane is just at a, at a really high altitude. It's not going to land at Nashville because it's so high. I was looking at it and then I was thinking about the man I just met. I was like, you know, that was my guardian angel. And I just knew it. I thought, oh, man, I forgot to tell him thank you. As soon as I had that thought, that dot of light stopped dead dead on a dime, stopped, and then did a a check mark to zoom right up into the atmosphere and was gone. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess he heard me. I guess that was a you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Very neat. Were there any other uh, out-of-body experiences that you'd like to tell us about? <laughs> well, um, when I was practicing my skills one time, I actually uh, had an out-of-body experience the day that, well, the morning I predicted an earthquake of California that happened in June. And I had actually predicted this earthquake back in January of that year. And... Um, yeah, I was I was at college and just Florida and Florida had had a had an awareness come to me and it said there's going to be an earthquake in California the last two weeks of June or the first week of July, and this was back in January and and I was like, wow, it just floored me. I said, okay, so I so when I got home, I posted it to the Prodigy board, shows you dating myself there. And I, of course, was ridiculed. All these people, and I, hey, no one has the ability to predict earthquakes, yada, yada. And I had one lady who wrote me an email and she said, do you have any, you know, more information on that? Can you tell me anything? Because I live in California. And I told, I, I prayed about it and stuff. And so I gave her a date that felt close. To it because she said she only had a week off of vacation and something was telling her to get out of the house and that I was not making it up. So I told her that. And then uh, that was all I heard from her. So the morning I had that out of body experience, I was actually up, floated from my body 
and remember seeing this earth suit and I, I fell in love with it at that on that morning because it, it was just this human body lying there, but it wasn't me. And I was like, oh, you know, like a little animal, just like, oh, I got to take care of that little being. And that floated through the ceiling and there was a bunch of shoes in the upstairs person's closet, which I was like, man, this lady has some shoes. I mean, like serious, <laughs> which my landlady ended up confirming about a year after that when they ran cable through the apartment complex. And she's like, you would not believe how many shoes is in her closet. And I'm like, oh, I've kind of been through the closet, so I've seen it. But yeah. that more after that, uh, later that morning when I woke up, I got on Prodigy and, and I saw where there actually had been an earthquake that night or that morning. And I, then I was like, well, that's that's what I predicted. And then about uh, three days later, this lady writes me back and she said, you saved my life. I was like, how's that? She said, that earthquake, she had a giant mirror above her bed. She says one that was uh, several hundred pounds, but it was anchored into the wall with earthquake anchors. And somehow one of those anchors had failed. And that mirror had crashed right down on her bed. She said, I would have been in the bed. I would have been asleep and probably killed. But wow. something told me that that I needed to listen to what you were saying. So... I was out of town. Hmm. Nice. It's nice when you can tie in uh, saving somebody's life to an OBE or to a prophecy. Do you, have you had any other prophecies like that? Yeah, several. Just uh, just a lot of random things. I, I, I know earthquakes. I was able to predict uh, the plane crash when um, my fiancé, when I was 24 and he was 26, I told him, told him in May of that year that his plane was going to crash. It was a single engine that he was going to die in the crash. And I begged him to get a twin engine and he, he didn't want to do it. Cause he, he was a self-made millionaire, but he was uh, just very stingy <laughs> with his own money. He wouldn't hesitate giving a $20 tip to someone at Shoney's after he got his volunteer sheriff deputy discount. But uh, he was just, he was an awesome man, awesome, awesome guy. And my mother taught me, you don't marry for money, you marry for love. And I said, well, I'll marry you when I'm out of college, because then I'll feel right, you know. And it won't be just because you're a millionaire. So, but I told him I, I still had several years to go before I got out of college. And I said, Bob, I said, if if you come back to me, and don't die in this plane crash. I'll marry you the next time I see you. Because mm. he lives in a different uh, a, a different part of Tennessee, and he sure enough he he his private plane crashed and he passed away and and um, I found out about it. So I was totally distressed about that. But then Spirit let him come to me in a dream that wasn't a dream. When we sat, he sat on the couch with me and he was goofing around and he said, oh, look, I'm electric now. If I'd have known how good this was, I'd have died sooner. <laughs> and that was just his type of humor. And I said, well, did it hurt? I just wanted to know if it hurt. And I didn't want, I hate the idea of anyone suffering or having pain. And he said, well, I was up in the plane and I felt the engine stall. And I looked down and what, what it was is he was a, 
he was a volunteer sheriff deputy and he had his best friend with him and there was a they were off duty and there was an escape prisoner so they were they had gotten up in the plane to see if they could see him and it was at night and he ran into a microburst he said i was the weather was clear but he ran into a microburst he said i felt the engine stall and i and i felt the plane go into a nosedive next thing i know i was still in the air and i was looking down at the plane and he said oh blank now i have to buy a new plane he said oh mm. wait a second i'm dead i'm still in the air i'm i'm dead i won't be buying a new plane so he was he visited you to tell you that he'd had that he'd had an out of body experience just before he died. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, t- yeah. sharing with me his his death experience yeah, and passing uh, over, and that he was that's, okay. That's neat. Yeah. Now you don't have any any uh, prophecies to share of some future event with us, do you? No, it's it, it's strange. I knew uh, with the nine eleven stuff, I knew the second tower was going to go down, and I was working in a building that. It was the state building at the time. And I remember telling the people, I said, can you tell people, as soon as we saw the first one go down, I, I knew the whole event that was going to erupt. I even saved the screenshot as day of war and knew what what was going to happen for the the whole thing. And they were, they were like, oh, no, the second building's fine. And I'm like, it's, the, both of them will be gone by the end of the day. But... There was a friend that that uh, I, I predicted the stock market crash, and I told her it was specifically for her though. And I said, take your money out of the stocks and put it in a bond. And she listened to me, and her daughter, who I happened to go to college with, with years before, came up to me at a movie theater and rushed up to me in the parking lot. She said, Wendy, Wendy, so I wanted you to know that you saved my mother's retirement by mm. telling her that. So it's like the predictions aren't for just like the masses. It's I'll feel things and, and get extremely distressed if there's an earthquake that's going to happen, but it's, it's, it's not like just generic predictions. I think the biggest prediction now is that we are in the final stages and there is hope that that if people just pull together, love each other, remember that when God was asked his name, her name, its name, God said, I am. And the, those two words in English tell exactly the entire answer and then to clarify god said i am love so and it said everyone that he that love everyone that loves is born of god and knows god if you don't love you're not born of god so it comes down it's just very cut and dry if you love jesus said this one commandment i give you and that's to love one another and if you love and obey that commandment, everything else will follow because you're not going to steal from someone you love. You're not going to want to kill them. You don't covet what they have. You rejoice because they have something. And it's that whole thing. And that's that's what in this end time of surrendering to the ego of this is mine. No, you can't have it. And saying, if you need it, you can have it. It's yours. And, and that just walking in love, that's going to be the answer to every question. 
well, if we can overcome all the corporate greed in the world and uh, in time, that would be a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah. Uh, I do. Do you see any? Uh, you see, you see a happy end at the at the very end of things because because in the end, it's all part of source anyway. But uh, do you see difficult times in between now and then? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 gonna it's a childbirth. It's it's growing pains. It's just like anyone else, anyone here who has cancer. We're just we experience the beingness of source at a micro level, a small a small level. So if you think about someone who's sick and in the hospital and they have cancer. They're going to hurt and they're going to have to go through radiation or chemo or just they'll have to do different things. And the body has to pull together for them to survive and make it. And the sources source is going to make it and already has made it. But it's a matter of just that healing and, and us all. If we're a, the cell of a hand, we do the work of a hand. We don't say, hey, I just want to be an ear right now. You know, that's that's cancer. We, the law of God's written in the heart of man. We all know what the answer is. We all know what what we're supposed to do, and that's walk in love and, a, and now by now. And that's uh, things are going to be hard because that ego part, that's, that's the cancer ego, not the tool of ego, but the actual thinking that someone is separate and not, part of source thinking sources on the outside of them or that if they are because they are part of source that they're the whole source that type of ego is just like any other cancerous cell in the body it's trying to hijack the whole system so cancer cells tend to fight really hard trying to keep their ego and their mission going, even though the, they, the cancer cells don't realize that once the body is gone, they die as well. Right. So yeah, That's things true. are going to be hard, but there's hope. Well, on that hopeful note, I want to thank you, Wendy, for being uh, a guest on two shows. Thank you, Lee. If folks didn't hear the first part, uh, last week's show, go into our Talk Zone Past Shows button and listen to uh, Wendy's part one. Okay, Wendy, thanks so much. And when you get your book done, you let us know and we'll have you on again. Will do. All right. For more about the work of IANS listeners, go to IANDS.org. And tune in again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.